Okay, um, Cassidy, thanks again for inviting me to be part of this. And, um, you know, I uh, love the the title of your um, podcast. And <laughs> um, I'm Rain Worthington. I'm a composer. And um, I guess that's about it. I live in New York. That's great. I'm from New York, but not your side of New York. I'm from Buffalo, New York. So yeah. the other side of the state. <laughs> well, I lived in the city, uh, New York City, for a lot of my adult, younger adult life. And mm -hmm. then I moved upstate. Um, so now I share some property with the deer and wild turkeys. And, <laughs> you know, I'm in a rural setting uh, just outside Albany now. Oh, wonderful. Well, it's so happy to have you on. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, your life and career and that sort of thing. So what kind of got you started in composition in the first place? Well, I've had a kind of an odd path to composition. Um, and in a nutshell, um, basically, I was introduced to the piano when I was very young, like at two or three years old when I lived at my grandmother, my grandparents' house. And they had a piano and I loved plunking on the keys and, and just making up things when I was little. Um, you know, I'm sure it sounded terrible, but, um, <laughs> you know, and woke everybody up because I'd go out early in the morning. So that was my first um, time at the piano. And then really, I didn't do any music until um, in my 20s. I found early 20s, I found myself um, in a situation where I had an opportunity to spend a bunch of time alone um, in a house that had a grand piano. And I sat down there and um, basically I kind of picked back up on the childhood kind of love of the sound of the piano and making up things. And so, um, so from there, I decided I wanted to get myself a piano. And so I went back to Boston where I was living and went to an antique store and actually looked around a bunch of stores. And um, there was a place that had an old upright uh, piano and I asked if the keys worked and if the pedals worked and they said, yes. And I said, I'll take it. And they said, well, you can sit down and try it. And I said, I don't play, <laughs> you know. I gotta figure it out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta figure it out, you know. Um, I hadn't been trained on it or anything. Um, so, you know, I took a, I, I got that piano. I love that piano. Um, and um, I started making up things just for myself because I, I love the experience and the sound of it. And um, then when I moved to New York, I brought New York City, I brought the piano with me and uh, I moved into um, the Soho area before it was the Soho it is now, uh, when it was just a bunch of empty uh, loft spaces and things and um, and very, very little else. And, um, but there were, there was a thriving artist community um, of musicians and painters and dancers and writers and uh, actors. And, and so, um, people would come over and see the piano and say, "Who's oh, who's a, who's a musician?" And I say, "I just make up things." And eventually, <laughs> it was just such a positive uh, environment, such a positive energy uh, at that time. This was the mid '70s, mm -hmm. and um, 
you know, people were trying out all kinds of things, but there was also a, a lot of cross connection through the arts. So poets were going to um, musicians and composers concerts and painters were going to poetry readings. And it was just, there was a lot of cross connection. And so um, people were very supportive, accepting and encouraging of each other. And um, so it was partly because of that, um, that uh, time that I was brought into that world in an accepting um, positive way. And um, so I, I started, um, people started encouraging me to um, do some concerts of my piano music at a lot at friends lofts and so that's how i started and the other thing about it is um the important thing about um me coming to it through um piano is because piano is such an accessible immediately accessible instrument yeah it makes something like that possible you don't need any training on a piano to to make a beautiful sound you know mm -hmm. You may need tons of training to perform, uh, you know, traditional literature and stuff. But to just sit down and make a sound and explore, you don't need any training for it. And so because of that accessibility of the instrument, I found my way into comp composition. That's wonderful. I always find it interesting hearing people's backstories and how they got involved in composition because I feel like everyone has their own path and it's yes. not necessarily a set path either. Um, and so I, I always find it interesting to hear people talk about their backgrounds in that way. And I was reading a little bit about your music and um, checking out your website and, uh, <laughs> and some of the articles that you've you've been featured in and you have kind of an interesting fusion of um, kind of different sources of inspiration for your compositions. Mm -hmm. um, and I a lot of co composers write in specific sort of styles and, and specific niches, but you are kind of fusing all sorts of different types of music that don't necessarily like when we think of certain types of music go together. Um, so can you talk a little bit about um, your compositions, maybe what you like to draw inspiration from or um, certain ensembles or settings that you like to write for? Well, um, hmm, because I'm not trained and I didn't go through the traditional um, academic path, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I'm, I'm not steeped in um, Western harmony. And yeah. so um, that's really kind of not part of my background. And so a lot of people have said that um, I draw from a fusion of different types of music, um, which is kind of unconscious, but I think it's because I'm attracted, I'm just drawn to many different types of music. And um, so for instance, I've always been drawn, to, since I was little, I was drawn to um, kind of Middle Eastern music. And um, when I was very, very young, again, at my grandparents' house, when I was like three years old or something, um, there was a, a tune called um, Caravan that mm -hmm. I, that was done by Dizzy Gillespie or something. But it, it became one of my favorite songs. Um, so it, so that 
tendency, that um, attraction to Middle Eastern music was there very early. I don't know where it comes from, but so that's one influence. And I actually traveled in um, in Egypt and um, Greece, Egypt and Turkey, and lived in Turkey for about uh, 11 months um, and, and was really exposed to a lot of music there. Um, mm -hmm. But I, um, so different things have come into my life. Um, I also had a band, I had two different bands and um, played around um, the downtown scene of New York City and played all these clubs and the bands were um, musicians. I would come in with kind of the basic structure and I had wonderful musicians I was working with that would improvise off of what I brought into them. And mm -hmm. um, that's how it worked. And so one band um, was, um, I, it, <laughs> we got reviewed one time and said, this is one of the most un uncommercial bands possible, but it's great, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which was, which was really nice, but it was um, um, kind of a, a mix of funk and um, very rhythmic um, funk and, and kind of uh, film noir and that kind of thing all put mm -hmm. together and, and some minimalist tendencies. And um, so that was one band. And then the other band um, was uh, two and a vocalist who did vocalizations without words. And um, so those were kind of also influences on my later compositions in a way. I mean, I kind of went through these uh, experiences and everything kind of seeped in. Did yeah, that make any great. sense? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I, I love how, how well you're explaining all of that, because I feel like a lot of people think that, oh, the path to being a professional musician and composer is, you know, you go to music school and you learn notation and things like that. And the things uh -huh. that I feel like modern musicians often struggle with is things like improvisation, being able to compose um, by ear or from certain experiences that they're in. So you are like the flip side of that coming as someone who was composing before they even knew, you know, our standard notation. So I think that you have a really interesting perspective um, coming right. from that sort of background for sure. Yeah, and, and two things about that that I just want to point out, um, a couple of important aspects of that is one um, that I have to say it took me a lot longer mm -hmm. to um, learn composition and stuff and, and notation and um, uh, orchestration, and I did it kind of on my own um, through reading books about you know, instrument ranges and things like that. And, um, you know, kind of just trying to write for the instruments in ways that that are um, in integral to the instrument, you know. Um, so it took me longer, but it also allowed me a sense of discovery and a sense of freedom that I might not have had if I had gone through traditional um theory and um, 
you know, uh, Western harmony. It, yeah. So it left that part open. Um, and it also gave me a sense of discovery that way. And then I also taught um, general music in elementary schools. And so um, through the Orff Schulwerk method mm -hmm. and um, which gave me a lot of freedom also to experience and discover music on my own with the students as they were discovering it. So I would do a lot of percussion and things like homemade instruments and instruments like tin can bells and things like that. <laughs> and um, that wouldn't, um, that wouldn't have fit into the, um, into um, that would almost be microtonal in their sounds. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't fit into um, Western kind of um, regular scales or anything. And, um, and so that gave me a lot of freedom too, mm -hmm. you know, so, so certain things like on the other, uh, on the one hand, it took longer on the other, but then it also allowed me um, freedom to, to discover and the sense of, of kind of being in it with the students as they were discovering things. Um, so the the other thing is i i have to say uh i couldn't have gone through the traditional academic route simply because i had never been trained on an instrument yeah and and i was doing a residency in missouri and um one and um one of the talks the workshops with the students and professors there somebody asked me um, what I thought about the requirement of um, music schools, um, you know, college level music schools to have a performance, um, you know, uh, element to them. And mm -hmm. I said, well, you know, that's what kept me out of music schools, you know, yeah. and it's and so it's something that I think should be reconsidered in a lot of ways. Mm hmm. Because I think there are a lot of people that might come to music um, in different ways that have a lot of potential, but have not been trained on an instrument. Yeah, I, I definitely can, can see your point there, especially when we approach music school from such a westernized sort of perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's very much in that way when it comes to musical training as well. So, you know, you had that issue that you've had to kind of overcome and find your own path through. But also you are a woman composer, you know, mm -hmm. in our modern world, which the world is getting better <laughs> about, <Yes. laughs> you know, promoting more diversity in composition and making sure, you know, everyone is represented in, in being performed and commissioned and things like that. So what is kind of your perspective being a professional female composer um, and some of the experiences you've had with you know, getting pieces commissioned or performed or things like that. Have you struggled with that representation issue? How has that affected your life, both in maybe a positive and or a negative way? Well, I think, again, it's probably it takes women longer mm -hmm. to get to the um, to uh, similar levels um, th that um, their male counterparts have gotten to sooner. Um I think that's true, um, and there are definitely fewer women still 
that have been um, part of um, concert programming. And uh, that's, that, it's getting better. It's getting a lot better. Um, mm -hmm. So that's very hopeful. Um, but there is still a need to kind of make sure that uh, women are not excluded, both as performers, um, and that's, you know, um, has been something historical too, that uh, women musicians, when they've been auditioning, have been excluded, um, mm -hmm. you know, and that's why blind auditions started uh, being developed and things like that. <laughs> but even that's been really tricky. Um, you know, and and um, and the same for composers. It's taken longer. On the other hand, um, I have had some of the things that have happened in good ways for me um, through through uh, men who have been open minded and very generous. You know, yeah. um, so it hasn't. Uh, I'm sure it has limited my um, opportunities, but on the other hand, I've I've gotten some opportunities um, mm -hmm. from from men, and um, you know who have been in positions to um, give me performances or help me in my career. In fact, when I first started doing loft concerts back in the mid '70s, it was. Uh, 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 male composer who gave me who said why don't you he just opened up his loft and said do a concert at my loft you know and um so it it it's not clear cut how it's affected me um mm -hmm. you know it, it goes it's been going both ways in some ways you know but when i look at the numbers of um the statistics of you know, the ratio of women to men um, being performed, having works performed and being included in um, especially orchestral programs or commissions, it still is very off kilter compared to probably the ratio of women and men in music, um, music schools. Yeah, oh, I agree. And you mentioned a lot about men in your life, you know, being allies, which I think is very important and supporting you and your work and, and making sure that you had opportunities. I also think it's important that we share resources with young women composers like the International Alliance for Women in Music and things like mm -hmm. that, that there are communities out there of women, of professional female musicians that um, can help promote younger female composers or in any profession or any one, um, you know, trying to promote themselves and get their, get their music out there. I think that's really important to note as well as, is making those communities. Right. Right. And I, uh, one thing I love to do is share information. And mm -hmm. um, I think it's really important. I don't think um, you need, I, I don't think it's healthy to approach art and, like one's art or or one's art community in a competitive way because yeah. I think um anything it, the success of anyone helps the whole field in general and and that's not just women but also contemporary music in general um and um so I was um I served as 
art, um, artistic administrator and composer advocate for the New York Women Composers Organization for 14 years. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was really um, big on sharing information and opportunities and um, just doing whatever I could to to just open the field to other women um, in whatever way I can. And yeah. so I've also just um, joined the board of the IAWM. <laughs> so so I'm looking forward to um, bringing some of my experience from the New York Women Composers and some of the programs that we ran successfully um, to the IAWM too. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a wonderful organization um, that I'm involved with as well. And I think it's important that, you know, thinking of my younger self, I didn't know that organizations like this even existed. And oh it would my have been, gosh. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. like if you think about your teenage self um, or, you know, yourself in your early 20s, you don't know of these organizations. So I think it's really important that we are spreading the word and trying to right. get, you know, the next generation of folks coming through, um, giving them their those resources even earlier than we had them ourselves. Right, right. Cassidy, when I first started out in the, in, you know, when I first got my, perf my, when I started writing for other instruments, um, mm -hmm. besides doing the bands and the solo piano concerts, which were earlier on, but when I started thinking of myself as a composer and writing for other instruments. Um, I went to the American Music Center. So this was in the early 90s. And mm -hmm. I went to the American Music Center and I said, so um, I'm writing for other instruments. I'm writing little pieces. What do I do? You know, and <laughs> like, how do I get how do I get them out? Because the other thing about not going through the traditional academic route is that you don't get a chance to have to to work with fellow students as musicians um, to try out your compositions. Um, you don't get that network of um, support that way. And so, um, in the mid ninety, early nineties, when I started writing. Um, for other instruments, like I said, um, I went to the American Music Center and I said, so how do I find musicians that are looking for new pieces? And they, I said, is there a list of like calls for scores or anything? And they said, no. And I went, <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it, you know? And I said, well, what would you advise? And they said, well, just join as, as many composer organizations as you can and and like start getting your name out there or something so that's what i did i joined the american music center i joined the american composers forum i joined um i went to the american composers orchestra concerts um just trying to network but as the internet developed, um, it, it was, and when I was working for the New York Women Composers, it was so great because one of the things I did, I was able to do with the internet is that I was able to compile opportunity listings and send them out to all the members. And, um, and now it's so much easier to hear about um, course, uh, calls for scores and things like that, mm -hmm. you know. And it's, it's, it's just, you know, the field is getting better and it's opening up in many, many ways. 
you know, yeah. that make it more inclusive and, and, and more diverse opportunities for everybody. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, is there any, are there any projects that you are currently working on or hoping to work on in the future that you'd like to share if you can share them? Sure. Um, I just, um, finished a new orchestra piece and I'm excited about that. Um, and trying to figure out what the next step is, because traditionally I have been recording the orchestra pieces with Parma recordings, which has been great. Um, I'm just at a different uh, stage right now. I'm not sure um, with the with the change of the music environment and the change of the economics of CDs and all mm. that kind of thing. Um, I'm just kind of exploring um what what to do now with orchestra works but in the meantime i've um i just got a commission from this wonderful trio called palisades virtuosi and so i'm um they are have been an incredible group for commissioning um contemporary works and they uh, have been in existence for 20 years. And this year with my commission, uh, my commission piece with three other composers, they will have commissioned a hundred pieces, which is pretty phenomenal. Wow. Yeah, yes. that, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, that's a lot in 20 years to, com to commission, um, not and and not only play contemporary music but to commission you know a hundred pieces is pretty amazing so um so i'm going to be working on a piece for them a very short piece and they'll have an uh, a celebratory concert in november 2023 um to mark their hundredth commission <laughs> Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, they're and they're great. They are a virtuosic um, group of musicians. Mm -hmm. That's great. Uh, and I guess my final question for you is if folks were interested in maybe finding out a little bit more about your music or your projects or how to get into contact with you, if they're interested in commissioning a piece from you or something like that, how would people be able to find you? Oh, my website. Um, my website's easy. It's rainworthington.com. And um, I've got like... Um, perusal scores, um, audio recordings, video recordings, just um, scores for purchase, um, everything. It's, it's a pretty comprehensive website that I've been developing over the years. And uh, um, so I would encourage people to go there. That's, That's wonderful. Yeah. And plus, like you said, um, there are a couple of pretty interesting articles on my um, bio page and uh, that that um, make for some curious reading. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I think you're you're just a very fascinating composer because, again, your background is not approached from that traditional Western viewpoint. And I, I find your music fascinating as well. I've checked out some of your pieces and I encourage everyone to 
check out uh, Rain's website as well. I will link it in the, the episode description so you can um, find her website even easier. Um, but Rain, I want to thank you so much uh, for chatting with me today about yourself and your career. Um, it was a pleasure having you on. Yeah, and thank you again so much. And thank you for this podcast, for, for you know, doing this um, ongoing podcast. You know, it's it's wonderful. I've listened to many of your episodes and, and they're fascinating. So thank you so much. 